At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. For a good year stretch, I was Spider-Man at, at birthday parties. Uh, I was painting pharmacies. I was wor working uh, a full-time job driving around a paint delivery van. I was flipping things on offer up. I was trying to get as much cash as I possibly could to, to funnel it into what I actually wanted to do. Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm, an interview series talking to former professional baseball players on their journey from amateur ball to the professional ranks. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today, we are talking to Randall Thompson, who pitched collegiately at Florida Tech and then professionally in the Blue Jays organization where he topped out in the GCL. Where you might be a little more familiar with Randall is in the company he founded, Dugout Mugs, the drinking apparatus that is fashioned from a wooden baseball bat. It's really the, the coolest way to drink any beverage of your choosing. Highly encourage you guys to check out their websites. Awesome stuff. Uh, what Randall and I talk about today is the usual to career and a life in baseball, but really retrospectively connecting the dots on how his life in baseball led him to this idea, molded how he operates as an entrepreneur, a boss, and in his day-to-day -day life and business. We also get into just good old-fashioned baseball stuff as always. Randall was a late bloomer. He was a guy who went from a three-year JV player in high school to bumping a heavy sinker in the low 90s after a growth spurt and a walk-on spot at a D2 school. We talk his time in college ball and then the experience of the hot fields of the GCL and extended spring training with long days both on and off the field. I was very pleased to be joined by Randall. Very insightful episode. Uh, go check out Dugout Mugs. They really are the coolest. Highly encourage everyone to go do that. Uh, also encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. Uh, also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Those are always appreciated. And make sure you're subscribed to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. This is the last episode of Phenom that's going to be dropped during MLB season, but the AFL is going on. We got top 10 prospect lists rolling out, draft report cards rolling out. Always great stuff there, plus future projection with Carlos Colazzo and Bed Badlers coming at you on a regular basis. Go subscribe to that wherever you get your podcast. Uh, yeah, check that out. All the good stuff at BA. You folks know the drill. And with that, let's talk to Randall Thompson. Joining in for today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm, he was a non-drafted free agent out of Florida Tech in the Blue Jays 2011 class. He's the president and founder of Dugout Mugs, Randall Thompson. Randall, thanks so much for joining From Phenom to the Farm, especially during the uh, during Game 2 of the World Series. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for helping us uh, get the word out about Dugout Mugs. Absolutely. I mean, you guys have, you know, it's just an incredible awesome product tell the folks who might not be as familiar about it what is what are dugout mugs and, and where can you get them chop the barrel of a baseball bat off and hollow it out turn it into a drinking mug is i guess the best and easiest visual that i can give uh and you can find them at dugoutmugs.com and i would highly recommend to everyone get it get them from dugout mugs don't try to do it yourself uh, i've been <laughs> i've been looking into a lot of how randall 
got started with this business, seems like there was a lot of trial and error involved. I feel like it'd be easier just to go over to the website, swipe that credit card, uh, get one for yourself. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of wisdom in that statement, in that sentence. Yes, for sure. There's yeah. a learning curve for sure on, on, on this whole thing. Yeah. Randall did the heavy lifting for you. So <laughs> let's get into it. Um, you're, you're a guy, you grew up in Florida, uh, baseball hotbed, probably the, the one state that you can play baseball more than where I live in Texas, uh, at least, you know, year round as a kid. You're in your 30s now. Can you remember a time in your life where baseball wasn't a huge part in it? Like, has this been since day one, essentially? Yeah, it's been since day one. And I guess the biggest part, the the biggest pause or the biggest gap would be when I first got released until the time I really started actively pursuing dugout mugs. That that was probably the, the, the longest stretch that baseball wasn't part of my life. Yeah, I mean, in baseball, and especially if you start playing at that young age, it's kind of, it can be all-consuming, especially in Florida where you can play whenever. I mean, here in here in Texas, I pretty much, pretty much played every month except December, and even in December, you're doing something. So as you get older, you get into travel ball, you start getting into high school. How, in your mind, how did you stack up uh, among your peers? You know, all kids have pro dreams, you know, at 11 years old, you're like, I want to, you know, I want to be a hall of famer. I want to be in the big leagues, whatever. Did you feel like you were in the, in the pro ball mix in the high college level mix? Where were you kind of stacking up as you got into high school? Um, no, I was, I was really undersized. Um, I wasn't like overly talented. I was, I was, um, I was really good at hearing things or feeling things and picking up on them quick and then being able to adjust my game accordingly. But uh, as far as like being a prospect or being somebody that was on anybody's radar for a college side of things, no, I was very, uh, I was a late bloomer. I was a three-year JV player. Uh, didn't play varsity baseball until my senior year in high school. And that's when I went from playing third base to pitching and like, over a six month period, I grew like six inches and I just got just crazy. I developed a, like a really good work ethic from a, from the weight room to just working on the craft. And then it all didn't really ever translate because I just wasn't mature enough for it to translate. And so the sun finally, you know, it finally rose and, uh, my work ethic kind of stayed the same. And I just, uh, started throwing hard, hitting the ball further and, uh, and then I got a, a walk-on opportunity at Florida Tech at D2 school over in Melbourne, Florida. Yeah, you and I were kind of doing the same thing in high school, same same kind of track line, except you got the six-inch growth spurt, growth spurt and I, I stayed 5'7". Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, I, yeah. ended up, I ended up figuring it out myself. So I, I also I walked on to a D2 school to, uh, to essentially cool. just throw junk for five years. I know <laughs> when I got to school, the, the D2 branding they had all around like, the athletic facilities or whatever the slogan was i chose d2 we, yeah, we'd, we'd always we'd always make jokes about that you know like yeah, oh, d2 chose me or whatever right. um with that yeah. walk-on <laughs> spot as a, as a late bloomer like that how did you how did you find your way to, to florida tech were you always dead set on playing college ball even when you were the the jv guy was it a dream yeah it was a dream but uh, it was one that i eventually gave up on like i saw the writing on the wall and i was like I kind of wanted to have, have the the big college feel, a big college experience, and uh, that started to, especially as you continue to just not find success in baseball, that started taking priority over the idea of going to a small school like Florida Tech and playing baseball as a walk-on. 
um but yeah I, I i landed there and and now i look back on it and i'm i'm glad it's that's exactly the way it worked out and and the funny the funny thing is, is that same thing the slogan the slogan was i i chose d2 and same thing we would we would make fun of it and be like no i'm pretty sure we didn't but when it all when when it all shook out i'm happy where where i wound up and um really the most important thing when you're coming out of high school is great uh, coach fit you got to get along with your coach if you don't you're going to be miserable uh the teammates you're going to mesh with your teammates one way or the other and if you don't then you're just that guy and you're gonna you're not gonna really fit in anywhere every team has two to three of those guys who are there for right. just the fall or just one year right right and and so it's it's the coach fit really and then you gotta you gotta want you gotta play right away it, it sucks sitting on the bench and watching watching baseball and watching other people succeed of course it's good to be a good teammate and and have fun with them but you want to play so it, you know it, it worked out that i showed up i loved our coaching staff and i played right away so it ended up working out exactly the way it should have did you have any kind of goals or expectations as you headed into florida tech i i think one of the the things about heading to D2, there's obviously there's just slimmer odds of going pro. Not as many guys have that, oh, I want to get drafted kind of thing. But you're also, you're learning different standards. Like if you were a kid who was coming in to play in the SEC this year, like, you know, like, oh, Vandy has Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. And you you know the state of things. You've been seeing these these guys on ESPN the past few years. In D2 or D3 or junior college, wherever, you're learning about these new teams in your conference. You're learning kind of, you know, who the good right. teams are, who's not so good, what peak performance at the level looks like. What were, you know, your expectations, goals, you know, when you stepped onto campus? You know, what's crazy is that I was a three-year JV player, uh, and then I hit this crazy growth spurt. And even though I, uh, in that crazy growth spurt, I started throwing harder, started hitting the ball further. Uh, all these things started to come together for me. It didn't really all come together until like I stepped foot on uh, Florida Tech's uh, field as a freshman, my, my uh, fall semester. And legitimately, I'm not saying this like to pump, pump my own tires, but legitimately I showed up and I was out matching just everybody. And, and it was kind of, it was kind of sh- like a strange thing to me. Cause I was kind of like, uh, the small fat kid that grew up and I still had the small fat kid mentality. And I didn't really understand what was going on that like I legitimately throwing 90 to 93 with just some crazy sink. And I had no idea what it meant. And, uh, and everybody's just kind of looking around like, why is this guy here? And then, <laughs> and, and then it gets to a point of like, why is he not on a scholarship? And I had no idea. Um, but that was kind of my introduction to college baseball is that I was out matching everybody in the inner squads. And I hear about other, other, or, uh, other colleges that I've never heard of before. And I kind of, I kind of grew this mentality that like, all right, well maybe I'm going to face, I'm going to face these other teams. Pretty much I kind of, my head got a little big, but not my, my mentality never really backed that up, but my, but my head got, you know, like I shouldn't be here, but it, it channeled it the correct way. It didn't channel it in like a cocky or conceited type of way. So you, 
your freshman year though, you you have some success. You're one of the the mainstay relievers on the team. You've got you know I think I looked at the stats like the third lowest ERA or something like that coming out of the pen. You've got this stuff that is just picked up. You've got guys saying why are you here. You're kind of thinking why are you here. No thought to bouncing out to junior college, going to summer ball, showing the stuff, seeing what happens. I did go play summer ball and I played in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. the The initial thought was I was just kind of like try to get stronger and you know and not play summer ball and then i had the itch and i wanted ended up going throwing like 20 innings for the florida collegiate summer league i didn't give up a a run uh and and things were kind of clicking in a in a lot of different ways um at one point um uh, my coach was saying that they didn't have any scholarship for me scholarship money for me so i said all right well i guess i'll just go to juco and then scholarship money showed up. It's um, funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, it, it's, uh, yeah, it is funny how that happens. <laughs> Did you, since you came into pitching so late, like with this growth spurt and pretty much your senior high school and freshman, were you, were you able to just get by with this, this heavy sink and this run or were you, feeling like you were having to play some catch up in terms of like learning the craft and learning your mechanics and feeling out how to make this newly, you know, tall body kind of get in sync and throw strikes. I felt pretty in sync. Um, yeah, it was all clicking. It, I, uh, even like I was my junior year of high school, I was like five foot seven had a size 13 shoe. And all of a sudden I got up to like six foot one. And I never went, I like, I've always been a goofy person, but I never went through that like goofy body phase. Um, so it, I mean, it, it all just clicked. And then my, my freshman year, you, you brought up, I, I came out of the pen uh, early in the year. And then I, and I was out at a bar and I got hit in the face. Uh, I got sucker punched. And then like, I thought it was a good idea to tell my coach, my, my face was, my eye was all swollen. And I said, Hey, I was out at a bar and I got sucker punched and he su- suspended me. And then he kind of just blacklisted me from, from coming out of the pen as much. So I was yeah, on future I was college on... players. You got You got to learn some, <laughs> you got to learn how to lie. Uh, that's, that would, that would be the advice I, w- I would give to anyone going to play college baseball, get a, get a laundry list of excuses, have them ready whenever you might need them. Cause that's not least, the way to do it right there. Or at least suppress the truth. because i I mean i look back on that i'm like why why the heck would i ever tell him that like and i i did nothing wrong i was just standing there i got sucker punched i I mean i was out the night before a game which you you should never do but uh yeah so so you definitely want to suppress the truth when you can (laughs) so so kind of uh, kind of on that subject i i would say you know trying to tie in what you do now to what you learned during your time at college, naturally in college, once you turn 21 and not a day earlier, you start drinking beer or start drinking whatever, you know, whatever your drink of choice is. Did you find you gravitated toward, like, did you have any affinity towards a certain beverage style or certain, is there anything about what you were doing in college that would lead anyone to believe or lead you to believe that you would be running like a mug company as an adult? Maybe not the, maybe not a mug company, but it's much easier to connect dots looking back uh one one of the marketing geniuses said that um i think it was steve jobs said that that you can always connect the dots looking backwards you can't do it looking forwards but i think that people would 
would have thought that I would have created a product or, or something along those lines of created a business of some sort. I was, uh, I was a person that always had uh, what I thought to be interesting concepts and, and business ideas. And um, I love the idea of running a business someday. Um, so I think it makes sense in that, in that case. So did you have, did you pick a major for a specific reason? Did you have a career path that you were thinking about or were you just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and then you're going to figure it out after you get out of college? Well, I got, so I started out business administration and, uh, I got, I got like a year into that and, uh, I, I loved to write or I used to love to write. I don't really write anymore. I'm a little too busy to do it, but, uh, I love to write and, uh, I told my dad, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to switch my major into communications. And he's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> and, I'm, and I mean, I'm glad he did, but everything that I learned in college, it's, it doesn't apply to what I'm doing now. Um, it, even though I studied business, I studied business marketing slash administration. Uh, none of it, none of it applies now. And ultimately I wanted to be creative, uh, and I love the idea of being creative uh, on a daily basis. And I felt like communications fell more into that category of things than business administration did. So uh, I tried to make that pivot, but my dad said, no, that's not happening. So I, I think I had a similar conversation as well. Um, so being the, being the creative guy, the guy who's thinking of business ideas, throwing those out there, also being the guy who can pump 93 what kind of what kind of clubhouse guy were you like what was your role that's an interesting little niche that you be in the being the creative i've got this idea for a business guy but also the i i can shove guy uh i was i was uh you know you know you kind of you, you look back on your past self and you're like and, and you kind of see it more clearly than you you do when you're actually there um I look back, I probably gave people too hard of a time at, at times. Uh, banter is fun in, in a locker room or in a dugout. Uh, but sometimes, like, like I look back on some of the stuff that like pranks or things that I would say, and I probably took it too far. Uh, it's all fun and games in the, in the moment. But now I've, I've kind of overcorrected that to where I'm uh, uh, really like, I don't give anybody shit about anything anymore because I just uh, feel like I, I did enough of that in the, in the four years I was in college. Um, but I, I would say I kept it loose for the most part. I, uh, kind of a prank guy. Uh, and I had a lot of fun uh, every single day. I'd, I'd, I'd love the game of baseball. I especially love the people that make the, the people that make up the game uh, within the game of baseball, I, lo I love the people. I love interacting with them. Uh, there's no place like a, like a dugout or a clubhouse. And I think I had enough with itness to realize that when I was playing and, uh, kept it pretty loose, sometimes probably a little too harsh, but for the most part, uh, I think I had a good time every single, every single day I was there. Yeah. I always say if I could go back for a week, it wouldn't be really like the games I'd be going back for. Like I just want to hang in the dugout or want to hang yeah. in practice and like that stuff. It's, it's the stuff you miss, but kind of, you mentioned what you're like now I wanted to, you know, in, in four years in college, or if, you know, if you're at the same place, you have four essentially different teams. There's carryovers every year. You, you know, roles can change stuff like that, but you've always got new freshmen, new Juco guys, new transfers coming in. It's also this, this big melting pot. And like you said, you, the clubhouse blends 
one way or another and the guys who don't blend just just transfer it they just leave when you look back are there things from you know those teams at Florida Tech figuring out how to blend figuring out how to function stuff like that for better or worse that you have brought with you into owning a business kind of managing now managing a staff and and obviously wanting to to build culture in that way that's a good question um so what I've learned is, when I first started dugout mugs uh I wanted to replicate the feeling that that I got at a in a clubhouse or I got in a dugout um and what I've learned is is that replicating those feelings uh when trying to operate in business it it doesn't it doesn't work that way at least it hasn't worked that way for me keeping it loose uh, I love to keep it loose having a legitimate real relationship with people is something that I, I value a lot but there does have to be somewhat of that that hard line between um keeping it loose and, and let's get down, let's get down and get done what we need to get done. Uh, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a coach player uh, kind of dynamic than it is player player dynamic. And when I first started, I was treating everything as like a player player dan- dynamic. And then uh, the lines would get blurry. And then once the lines are blurry, uh, things get a little more complicated than they need to be because the egos get in the way. Um, and people can't separate boss versus person, person versus boss. Uh, so it it's turned it's transitioned more into a, a coach player kind of mentality on my side. Not to jump too far ahead, but you you did some coaching after your playing career was done for a little bit at Florida Tech. Do you think after all your experiences now and, and where you're at now in life, do you think you would be a better coach now after having run a business? Like, does that experience translate? Yeah, it does for sure. And, uh, I, I legitimately, legitimately think that if, uh, if I wanted wholeheartedly to get into coaching, I feel like I could be one of the best college baseball coaches in in the country. And I do think that, uh, running an organization like I've been running, you, you do. Sometimes I start thinking about baseball in a certain way and I start kind of blending business over to baseball and it kind of bleeds over. And I think about the way that my coach coached us in college and what I did when I was coaching college and 100% I could run a much tighter baseball team because of the way that I've ran dugout mugs for the past six years or so. Is it fair to say that there's potentially an itch there that you might want to scratch at some point? Uh, I think it is fair to say that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I don't know, man, I I don't know about getting into coaching college baseball every weekend's tied up. Uh, I mean, if you're going to do it, you're going to, you're going to legit do it and you're going to travel, you're going to recruit. You I just live, don't breathe, eat, sleep college. Baseball. Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, maybe I've, I've thought about like, I live in a really small town now, Bartow, Florida. It's like, nobody knows what it is. I thought about going like coach Taylor on them from Friday night lights. And just like one, one day, just like showing up to Bartow high school and just being like, Hey, I'm, I'm running the show now and just, just start <laughs> look, winning look state titles. I, I'm the captain now. <laughs> Like they have no idea who I am. I just like, I just show up out of nowhere. I'm like, this is my show now. Uh, but no, I, uh, uh, maybe we're, high school we're drinking baseball. out of these now. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of all these cups in the dugout. 
and I got some dugout mugs. <laughs> well, I, I want to get into your coaching experience here in a little bit, but while you're at Florida Tech, you're still playing. You end up, you transition into the rotation. You're having success there. When, at what points did you sense that there might be a chance for you to play pro ball? My freshman year in, in college. That early? Was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I showed up like a like a bat out of hack, dude. It, um, and, yeah, it was my freshman year in college. But then – you know, I, I did well. Eventually I got, I got to a point where I started, I started overthinking everything, uh, to where like, it felt so, so close into my grasp. Uh, it started becoming real. And then when you start thinking too much and you, the mind kind of takes over the body, uh, you get, you become mechanical. Like I was thinking things on the, on the mound that like, (laughs) like you, like I was trying to correlate like, Oh, maybe I'm not throwing strikes because of this. It, it had nothing to do with like anything. I was in a complete, just, I was mind screwed in, in a big way. Uh, and it kind of, kind of the wheels fell off a little bit. How, where were you at that point? Like how, how big was the mental side of the game at, at that point while you were in college? Like, was that something that where is that only something in retrospect that you see now? Or was it something that it, even in the moment you were like, I need to figure out how to get myself even keel. I just not sure how to do it. Distance brings clarity always. Um, I, th- I think I, th- I think I had a, a pretty good understanding of the mental game of baseball not not like i really understood it once i got out of it and i really feel like i really began to understand it when i started coaching and actually listening uh getting a vantage point from listening to other players um i wish i would have listened more um as a player but the one thing that i wish i would have done less is try to change something every single freaking day I would go out at one point, at one point I like thought I developed like this knuckle change up that like was going to be like the, the next greatest thing. There's and nothing look, like that practice where you throw something in warmups and you're like, Oh, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is the, this is the pitch that makes me. It's the dumbest thing ever. Like I look back on that now and I'm like, I, I threw sinker slider and I did it really well. And I should have just became a master of that. And uh, just worked on throwing my fastball to both sides of the plate. And when I can do that really well, then work on a slider for get me over and a slider for a chase. And when I can do that really well, then start out, go back to part a and start doing that even better. I didn't need to throw a knuckle change up. I didn't need to like one day, my hands go over my head. The next day they don't one day I'm, I'm doing a coil and then uncoil. It's I, I kind of got in my own mental way by just constantly trying to change my physical way. And it was just like, it's just so tired. When I look back on it, it's so tired. I'm like, what, what were you doing? Success comes in just pick a very narrow field and get really good at that narrow field. And that's where success is going to come from is in that concentration. It's all fun and games until you're in your midweek bullpen wondering if you, you know, if you started throwing like Hideo Nomo, if you'd have success. <laughs> yeah yeah you you know you're screwed man when when you just when you're showing them your digits and and you're throwing across your body all of a sudden when you've never done that before and you're like hey is that 
is that coming out good? And yeah, of course the bullpen catcher is just pumping your tires. He's just telling you, yeah, man, you're, you're killing it. Yeah, man. I was, I was watching this R.A. Dickey video and I think I've, I think I've got it. Let's, <laughs> let's roll, let's roll this. No, forget it. Forget the entire repertoire. We're just going to throw 50 knucklers. Let's, right. let's make this happen. So you, you finish up at Florida tech, walk me through the non-drafted free agent process. Like, did you, did you pay attention to the draft that year? Did you think there was a chance for a late, late round, uh, selection? Yeah. So where, where the wheels fell off was my junior year is, uh, like I, I was, I was showing up to our inner squads and our bleachers were just, just popping with bogeys, just scouts everywhere. I was like, okay, like I'm doing it. And uh, my coach having a real conversation of just saying like, Hey, uh, there, there's talks of the first 10 rounds of happening. Uh, you know, what are your thought processes? We're trying to, we're trying to get a recruiting class for next year. Are you going to sign? And it was like, it was a real thing. I was like, Oh sh- shoot, man. Like it's going down. Uh, and then that's when I mentally just lost myself completely went undrafted as a junior uh, it, it really started with like a whole bunch of scouts. And then at the very end, there was just one, it was buddy Hernandez with the Braves. He was the only one that believed in me at the end. And I was like, yes, dude, like we can do this. And, uh, no, he, he, uh, he just bounced, uh, he, he, no draft my junior year. And then my senior year, same thing. I got moved from being, uh, the number two starter to the number three starter, um, that wasn't good for the brand, obviously. And, uh, I had a good year as a, as a senior went undrafted, uh, two weeks later or so. Um, and yeah, I did. I mean, I did watch the draft. I thought I was potentially going to get a, a, something in the late rounds. And, um, I got a call from the guy that ended up signing me and he just, I always thought it was just going to be like this huge moment in my life. And it always said was like, Hey, you want to, you want to play? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, all right, well, I need you in Dunedin tomorrow morning. I was like, all right. And that was, that was it. And so <laughs> you get, you get a side, you head to the GCL, the, the legendary GCL, now the, the Florida complex league. Yeah. Did you feel like you were fighting for your career each day? Oh, man. Uh, um, I felt like I was fighting for my sanity each day. I was so bored. What's that day to day like for a pitcher? Uh, it's so boring. It's so uh, monotonous. And th- this is these are my these are my emotions when I was when I was actually in it. Again, distance clarity. I, I mean, really, if you if you really break it down, there's not really very many professions in the world that you can work hard for three years, four years, and the upside's $600,000 and playing in the big leagues. Um, so I probably should have just like shut my mouth and just got after it. And, and if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, it didn't, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say that, especially if you had a good college baseball experience, you know, what a, what a like fun time in life that is not even on the field, but like off the field and just with your teammates. And, uh, I mean, it's a blast. You get the pro ball, especially the Gulf coast league. And I'm only speaking from the seat that I sit in. I, I never got out of the, out of the GCL. I 
wasn't extended the next year, which is which was even worse. And yeah, I've got some extended questions. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, it, it, it's just the, the pro. So the, the most genius way I've ever heard it put is you, your whole life you use the game of baseball to better yourself. When you get to professional baseball, the game starts using you to better itself. It's such a tough pill to swallow, especially it's your childhood dream to play professional baseball. And when you're an undrafted free agent, no, like nobody in the organization cares. And you, you feel like you can put together a uh, good inning after good inning after good inning. And it just doesn't matter. It, um, so I don't know. It's a combination of a whole bunch of things, but the long story longer is I don't, I, I didn't really enjoy the pro. I didn't really enjoy it when I was there. I was so bored. And uh, I think that's why it was such a condensed stay uh, in professional baseball is that I, I lost interest. You put up good numbers in the GCL. I mean, that, that first summer you had to spring training. Did you, did it kind of like crush the, the enthusiasm out of you or the hope, or were you still like, man, if I can just make a, you know, if I can, after extended, if I can just get added to the short season team, maybe make a real run at this or were, were you kind of, you know, were you kind of whatever about it at that point? I was checked out it, it, like during extended spring training, my roommate, uh, I remember we were living in a, like a hotel room and, uh, what happens in extended spring training is you get up at like six in the morning, you roll up to the complex. It's the same, same food, same, just the same routine every single day for weeks. And by the time you get to like the third week, fourth week, and you're, you're, you're living in a hotel, literally sleeping right next to another dude. And like, we were in the Baymonts, just a really crappy hotel. And by the time you by, by week three or four, I'm just looking out in the parking lot from the from the hotel and I'm just like, Peckers, wh- what are we even doing here? Like, what is even the point of this? And <laughs> because, you're not collecting a paycheck at that point, right? You know, what's cra- so it's very crazy. What's crazy about this? Uh, this has got to be against the law um, is legitimately that these 10 weeks it was 10 10 weeks of extended spring training on sundays no on saturdays because we had sundays off on saturdays when the day ended we'd walk up to mike nielsen and mike nielsen would hand us an envelope and it'd be 38 dollars in cash that's the only pay that we got for those for those 10 weeks so every saturday we get 38 dollars of cash in an envelope what the hell's that <laughs> that uh that doesn't go far no no, I couldn't even afford McDonald's. <laughs> that is, I mean, you say against the law. MLB is very good at, at skirting uh, skirting the law when it comes to uh, standards and pay. But um, so, needless to say, extended spring training not exactly dream professional ball scenario. When you no. when you get released, what was what was the game plan? Was it hey maybe go find any ball team, or were you like I am? hanging these spikes up i got a a couple offers to go play indie ball uh i didn't want to do it i had such a bad taste in my mouth and uh my shoulder was a little not not perfect 
So the combination of me just not feeling great about baseball in general, um, and then my overall my body just not feeling great, I just said, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to make some money, and uh, I don't want to devote a whole bunch of time into something that I just don't I don't see the vision anymore. And it, it's different for everyone, but how did you, you know, we said earlier, you didn't really remember a time in your life without baseball and how did you handle the loss of identity as a ball player? Tough. Yeah. I mean, it's relative. Uh, tough is relative. Um, I have so much perspective now that like tough is like finding out you're dying from cancer. I mean, that's legitimately tough, but um, yeah, being, the game being my life from the time that I was four up until 23 ish, spend 20 years of, of dedicating your life to something and nobody ever twisted my arm to do it. I, I loved playing the game of baseball and I loved being around baseball, but yeah, from, from the time that you're in high school, you're in college, even before high school and then professional baseball, you always identify as a baseball, baseball guy. Yeah, it sucks. It, it's uh, reinventing yourself. It, and the way I look at it is uh, if you played in college, you played college ball, then we, we had a 20 year career by the time that we got out of college. And there's not very many young 20 year olds that can say that. And, uh, you take somebody out of retirement or somebody retires from something that they spent 20 years doing, uh, they're, they're, no matter who they are, their identity is going to be tied up in whatever that thing is. So it's, it's a, for me, it was a difficult stepping stone of trying to figure out what, what was next. Was jumping into coaching because you had wanted to coach before, or was it, I've got this this kind of hole. I've got this identity loss. I need to I need to get to something familiar. Yeah, the the I initially got a job in which I was working at uh, Sherwin Williams. I was working at a paint store, and then uh, I was there, and I was like, okay, this is tough. I got to get out of here. I got to get back into baseball. And so that was about a year later. I've, I hit up my college coaches and I was like, Hey guys, I need to, I need to coach, coach baseball. Let me come that way. And we got it sorted out and got it figured out. But yeah, it was, it was pretty much that, that I, I had this itch or I had to, at first, your first knee jerk reaction is like, you're like, ah, oh, no, I, I can be something without baseball. And then, uh, you kind of get, kind of start working these long, long hours at a paint store and you go, wait a minute, give me back in baseball. That's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, it's like what am I without this thing? Yeah. I've been I've been Randall or I've been Kyle, the baseball player for mm-hmm. so many years. So um, you get into coaching, and I will be the millionth person to ask. Would explain to the folks, walk me through figuring out that uh, you can you can drink out of bats. Yeah, uh, so I, w- I was coaching in 2014, and uh, the the hitting coach was taking wooden baseball bats in the dugout, and he was taking a handsaw. And he was cutting baseball bats in half. Uh, he created some sort of training tool that he called a short bat, but it was essentially a bat without a without a barrel on it. And there was loose baseball bat barrels lying around all in the dugout. And light bulb moment, pick it up, look at it, natural cup into the bat already. 
you just kind of, I kind of just think to myself, can you take that cupping and just keep going down on the barrel and turn it into what would be a pretty cool drinking mug? And, uh, it went in my back pocket. I didn't actually start to really, really pursue it until about maybe a year later or so, but yeah, that's how, that's how the dugout mug was born was in Florida Tech's dugout while I was coaching college ball. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the one question I had to ask. We couldn't do this podcast without you explaining this idea, but the one question I've been excited to ask was doing, you know, doing my usual background research, write a couple articles and stuff like that. And you're, you're living with your, your sister, um, your future brother-in-law, you're trying to make ends meet, stuff like that, pay the rent. Uh, one of the jobs that you got to pay bills, tr- dressing up as Spider-Man at a, at a birthday party. Yeah, I, I would. I would like more information. <laughs> when I when I t- when I tell you that, uh, like to make this happen, it, it the ridiculousness and the, the amount of hard work that I've put into this uh is just like an understatement and that's that's one of the, that's one of them is being spider-man at kids at kids birthday parties were you a good spider-man like oh, what, dude, what is a good spider? what does a good spider-man need to do uh well it's just i don't know i black out whenever i do it because what in college i was actually pete the panther uh, at the at the <laughs> basketball game so i was our mascot so, so uh, oh god how did i miss that <laughs> Um, like conversationally, I'm very flatlined, but like, if, if you get me in a a scenario where like I'm hitting the dance floor or there's a dance circle that, that busts out, I'm pretty undefeated when it comes to like dance offs. So are you like a sneaky, good wedding guest? Oh, probably the best. (laughs) Man, I need, I needed you like a few months ago. Did you get, did you get hitched? I did. Yeah, I did get, I mean, things went great, but you could, I mean, it never hurts to have, have solid players in the wedding. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I would have been a great pickup for that. Uh, so if it, well, it's over now, you know, one and done, but if you got any buddies, let me know. Definitely, definitely, definitely throw that out to them that, uh, got a, got an ace in the hole. (laughs) Yeah. So, so you're, you're doing, you're doing Spider-Man. Uh, how long was the process from, I am going to give dugout mugs a go. I'm actually going to make this thing a real try to turning a, turning a profit, man. Um, a couple of years. Yeah. A couple of years. Uh, the, like a, like a legitimate profit, probably like two and a half years, three years, maybe, maybe three and a half years. But, uh, yeah, from from the time that I uh, and I started from ground zero of not knowing anything about it, like I, no woodworking, no idea on I had no idea on woodworking, and really, like I told you, I studied business in college, but my two five GPA and my inability to pay attention to anything, uh, I picked nothing up in in college. Um, it, I had to learn a whole another language. Uh, and I'm still learning, uh, you know, it's a, it's an ongoing thing, but the beautiful thing is, is that I, I, I understood baseball and just kind of marrying baseball with business. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a, a pretty long journey of, of trying to figure out, but at the same time, people spend decades trying to grow their business and it, it either doesn't pan out or they don't catch, uh, 
they don't catch momentum until years and years. And we're one of the fastest growing licensees in major league baseball. So was there a specific point that you can look at like a light switch moment where it's like, it goes from this could work to this is going to work. No, because to, to this day, I still, I wake up like it's not going to work and I, uh, I've gotten better with it. Uh, it's, it's for me, it's grip strength. Uh, if you squeeze it too tight, you, you choke it too loose. It, you just can run away. Um, but I, there's still just about every day. I still think this, this thing's going to just fall apart. Um, so, uh, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jinx you, but it seems like, uh, seems like it's going okay. It's going, it's going all right. Good enough. But, um, with, we've talked through this whole, this whole journey in your life in baseball. I, I can always point to things I learned in, in baseball as, as a youth and especially, high school, college lessons learned. I mean, there's a, there's a million things that I can point to, and this is why I am the way I am or why I've had success or the things I've learned with what you do now. Are there things from your career that you, you can specifically point to, uh, attribute to the, the success thus far of dugout mugs or your, you know, your, your style? Um, yeah, probably. So like something that, you know, is being a college athlete uh it's fun but it's very time intensive you wake up early to go to weights you go to go to class you eat lunch you go to more classes or you go do extra work or you do hitting work or you do pitching work or whatever it is but the the way it ends up shaking out is your practice ends at six o'clock your morning started at six o'clock. Then you still have schoolwork to do. Then you still have hanging out with your buddies time before you know it. Like your day is going from six in the morning till midnight and you're, you're running really long days. Uh, in the very beginning of dugout mugs for a good year stretch, I was Spider-Man at, at birthday parties. Uh, I was painting, pharmacies i was working uh, a full-time job driving around on paint delivery van i was flipping things on offer up i was trying to get as much cash as i possibly could to to funnel it into what i actually wanted to do and uh the only way that happens is having really long days and i think that's what's so valuable about college athletics is that you learn, you learn how to work really long. Um, and it's critical, especially in the beginning, in the beginning stages of companies, it's critical. Uh, and especially if you're going to bootstrap it, it's critical that you, you work really long and you did that six days a week, maybe sometimes seven days a week as a college athlete. And sometimes that's what you have to do as an aspiring person trying to get a business off the ground. So I think that's probably the single-handedly the most important thing is I learned uh, at a young age of how to work long. 
I usually kind of wind down these episodes asking whoever's on the show, you know, what would you tell yourself before you, before you sign, before you start your pro ball career? And I was going to skew that in favor of asking you, what would you tell yourself before heading into business? But with the experience you had in your pro ball career, I'm actually kind of curious, what would you tell yourself, you know, if, if you walked in after you, you know, got the call to say, Hey, I need you in Dunedin tomorrow. What would you tell yourself about that experience? Is there a is there a pep talk you could have given yourself that would have given you a better experience in pro ball? Um, howie, uh, future Randall talking to current Randall, but current Randall getting ready to go into professional baseball. Um, man, I think I think what I would have probably just told myself is uh, just just relax. You know, but it's in my nature that I got to always be moving and like doing something. Uh, but just, just find a play, just find something to, to kill your free time. The free time is what killed me. I'm fine going out to the baseball field. I'm fine going through the same drills every single day. Yeah, it sucks, but uh, I can do it. It was starting a morning at 6 a.m., being done by one, and then from one to whatever time, having no money to go do anything. And being cooped up in a hotel with uh, with a dude named Peckers, uh, <laughs> which I love, I love Peckers to death. But like, uh, it's just I would have just told myself you gotta you gotta figure out a, a place to to channel your energy outside of the baseball field because that's what drove me nuts the most. Is I was just so freaking bored. Got to find a hobby. You needed a, you needed a side business to start. I needed a side business. You know what's nuts is <laughs> I got a. A stupid little like <laughs> you're gonna think this is so weird, but I got a stupid little like magic kit and I was trying to learn how to do magic. That's how bored I was. Dude, I love I magic. Had, I had a teammate who would bring magic kits out to like his little magic kit out to the bars <laughs> and do card tricks <laughs> and on Tuesday nights. I remember it specifically. Sick. I love Just... magic. Like like it, it blows my mind. And people that say, you know, it's sleight of hand or it's fake or whatever, I don't care. I think it's I think it's sick. And yeah, I was trying to learn magic, that, but that's how bored I was. I was just like, just trying to funnel my energy into something. And and you're absolutely right. I should have, I should have started learning about business. Well, with that being said, if you could pep talk yourself, you know, when you decided to give dugout mugs a, a run, would you tell yourself anything or would you just back off and say, do whatever you're going to do? Yeah, I would say, uh, trust yourself. You know, it, it, um, I, I had like looking back now, I, I realized I have good business instincts. I have really good business things, instincts and uh, being new to something. You just don't know. You don't know to trust those instincts. Um, so I'd probably just tell myself, uh, trust yourself, you, you know, your, your ideas and your thoughts and uh, they're, they're valid. Got a little quick rapid fire for you and then I'll let you get out of here. Let's do it. Best hitter you ever faced? Uh, I guess it probably got to be, uh, well, it's got to be JD Martinez in college. Oh, yeah. So you, you guys were in, uh, what, Nova, Nova Southeastern, right? That's yeah. He's in, he was in Nova. Yeah. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't JD Martinez now. Um, but I faced, uh, Scott Pesednik in, in Pro Bowl punched him out so sorry about you scotty <laughs> but that that's that's a pelt to put on the wall do you have a best or worst division two travel story things can get a little hairy on the bus at d2 
Oh man. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what kind of, I don't, I don't think there's anything that's like probably rated for this show or for this, this audience. Um, shoot. Uh, I, I mean, I hate this. I hate to pass on the rapid fire, but like, I can't think of anything like PG rated or anything. That's that's, like, that's fair. That saves that saves me some some work to do. Uh, <laughs> favorite mug design that you've ever done. Uh, so this is this is the coolest uh the coolest thing for me is uh, we have a we have a mug that has the cast from uh, the Sandlot wrapped around it. And um, David Mickey Evans, he, he's the guy that wrote wrote the uh, the movie The Sandlot, and he also narrated and directed it. Um, he took this iconic photo. Like, he, he, if you think about the photo, fo- if you think about it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like the backdrop of the like, the Sandlot and all the all the kids standing together. He took that photo on the last day of him him filming uh, the Sandlot, and me and my business partner Chris, we met up with uh with david mickey evans uh right before covid started and he lives in new somewhere in a beach in florida we drove over there um he wrote a script for an ad that that we ended up running we engraved this photo on on the dugout mug and uh i printed out the script he signed the script it's the coolest thing that i that i own uh from from this whole process but that's the that's the coolest that's the coolest mug that we have in my, in my opinion is is the the uh, legends never die mug i watched a video on that earlier today and i was kind of hoping you would say that one uh yeah, last thing i've got for you do you do you have a favorite florida brewery like is there a spot someone's coming into florida <laughs> this is what they this is where they need to get to yeah um so i started this company in st pete and st pete's kind of just exploded in the the past 10 years or so and there's a place in st pete called three daughters brewing that I really, really enjoy. Um, good beer, first and foremost, and uh, really good, cool atmosphere, good live music. And there's there's another place that's in Ybor City um, that's in the Tampa area, uh, and it's called Rock Brothers Brewing, and they have a music venue up, up top above them called The Attic, and it's one of the best places in my opinion, to watch a, to watch a live show. It's very, very quaint. Uh, the lighting's perfect. Good craft beer that you can just order on your phone real fast as the, as the music's going on. Uh, but that would be the two places that I would say you got to check out. $3 has a little bit better beer, but, but the atmosphere at Rock Brothers Brewing is just unbelievable. Putting both places on my list and tell the folks again, where they can find dugout mugs, what people have to look forward to, you know, where they can go buy the stuff dugoutmugs.com and i would encourage you to check out the new metal uh dugout mug which is the barrel of a baseball bat metal version so the like an aluminum baseball bat barrel turned into a drinking mug our newest product and uh selling pretty well randall that's all i've got for you thank you so much for joining from phenom to the farm yep you bet thanks for having me absolutely And that's it for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm. Huge thanks to Randall Thompson for stopping by, taking the time to tell us about his career journey, both in baseball and out of baseball. Again, go check out Dugout Mugs for just the the coolest way to drink whatever it is you choose to drink. And make sure to subscribe to Baseball America and the BA podcast feed for all amateur baseball 
and prospect news. We will catch you in two weeks with 1991 World Series hero for my beloved Minnesota Twins, Gene Larkin. Great interview. Literally just recorded it, so tune in for that one. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.